0: Welcome into another edition of the Odds and Audible's podcast. It's a Tuesday, August 27th, getting you ready for Oregon football. Uh, <clears throat> I'm Matt Prem. Eric Scopel is on the show, as always. Eric, how's it going, man?
1: Pretty darn good, man. Game week is here. Uh, I can't believe it. I'm And I'm excited to get down to Dallas. I've said it before. I've never been to Texas. And so excited for my maiden voyage in that direction and to, to check out some barbecue with you probably on Friday night.
0: Yeah, Friday night. Uh We're going to hit up some barbecue. Um, I've got a plan on kind of in place. Uh, I will have to give you that information once I finalize it. (laughs) Sounds Um, good. That'll be good. And Uh, probably should advertise it over the air. Um, uh, We're going to have Brandon Marcello on from Auburn Undercover, um, our Auburn site on 24-7 Sports Network. Um, He's going to the game as well. Uh, He does tremendous work covering the Auburn Tigers. Uh, He's done it for a long time uh, for us and for other outlets. So he's experienced. uh, He knows this program in and out. He's broken a lot of news during fall camp. Uh, Really excited to get Brandon on to to kind of give you just a, a really good synopsis of what Auburn is bringing to the table on Saturday evening in Arlington, Texas and kind of get his opinion on, on some, some Oregon-related stuff, some Auburn-related stuff. Uh, it, it's going to be a good, good interview, Eric.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and, and Brandon's a really good dude and, and, and knows the stuff like the back of his hand. So it's, it's going to be an extremely informative uh, conversation. And if you're an Oregon fan and you want to know a little bit more about Auburn, this is the place to learn it.
0: Real quick to wrap up some stuff before we bring Brandon on, um, Oregon has had media availability with Mario Cristobal on Monday. We've got full recap of everything that's happened from that press conference, injury news, depth chart news, um, some position news, uh, and some early thoughts from Mario Cristobal on the the Auburn Tigers already up on DuckTerritory.com. Uh, today, Oregon will be practicing, but the caveat with that is Oregon is not allowing the media to watch anything. Uh, so, no practice, no full practice reports, but we will get some offensive players. We will get Justin Herbert. We will get Oregon's offensive coordinator, Marcus Arroyo, on Tuesday. Uh, on Wednesday, another closed practice for Auburn. And this is, we've been told, just a, a one-week deal. Uh, but we'll also get the defensive quarter, coordinator, Andy Avalos, on Wednesday. And then Troy Dye and various other defensive players will speak about the upcoming game Wednesday. And then that's it, Eric. Uh, and then not, because there's no more media availability, um, the team, I believe, is leaving Thursday. I will be leaving Thursday. You will be leaving Friday. And before you know it, here we are. It's game day. All right, let's welcome in now our guest for this Odds and Audible's podcast, uh, Brandon Marcillo from Auburn Undercover. Brandon, how's it going, man?
2: I'm good. How are you guys? finally game week. Yeah, finally
0: game week. Uh, I don't know what that all entails back east in Auburn, uh, but for us, we kind of lost access, unfortunately. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, Mario Cristobal has kind of shut things down a little bit where this is a big week. We don't get to watch all of practice or any of practice now. Uh, they've actually chosen the players we're speaking to, uh, but it does have that, that massive game feel to it, almost like a bowl. Yeah,
2: um, I, I can relate because there's no such thing as access here. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, this week, there's one media availability, and that's Gus Malzon and a s- select players who we don't know who they'll bring in. Usually, it's usually like Sunday, we get coordinators, and then Tuesday, Gus and select players. But now, it seems a new schedule for this year is just going to be Tuesday. Gus Malzon and two or three players for the entire week. So, I feel you. No practice access of any sort. That that doesn't happen, you know, other than like the first week of preseason camp when they're not doing anything, but uh that's just just how college football's going nowadays. I that's a th- that's crazy that to hear that about Mario Cristobal cuz I heard he was so much more open than uh a lot of his colleagues this day.
0: Yeah, I mean, he Cristobal to it's really unique. Uh I, I think Eric and I have been every time this situation plays out, we're, we're always kind of surprised, but, um, he's very forthright with injuries. Um, he's not going to probably come out and, and be like, Hey, you know, this guy got hurt in practice today. But if, if one of us were to, or anybody were were to ask a question of, Hey, like, you know, after a scrimmage, did you guys come out healthy? Um, and that happened this time where he came out and was like, Well, Micah Pittman suffered a pretty bad shoulder injury and you know, we're waiting on details of, of the extent of that injury and when we get that information, uh, we'll put something out. But right now it doesn't look very good. Uh and two days later, three days later, whatever it was, they released a statement that, you know, Pittman was out for six to eight weeks with a, a shoulder wow. injury. So wow. it, it, Auburn Auburn never
2: easy. does that. They Auburn always tries to hide everything and Gus Malison's go to is I'll let uh, you'll be the first to know, which is um, nev- we hear that one. never that'll
1: never happen. that's a Mario Cristobal line too. And we'll get that to you as soon as we can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: So, Auburn, we're going to obviously we're obviously previewing uh, this big game uh, for Oregon and for Auburn. Tigers coming off last year with their 8 and 5. This is Gus's seventh Season now as head coach, uh, what's kind of the temperatures there for the importance of winning this football game? Because I mean, here in you, here out at west at, at Oregon and Eugene, it's kind of hey, like this is kind of like a you know, a put up or shut up type of a game for Oregon football because you know, we think you're going to be good, but if you don't win this game, you know, that you're going to have more doubts than. You know, people feeling confident about your about your team, and then also there's the pressures of the league. Like, there's other big games, but this is the most realistic game where Oregon's play, You know, a, a team in the Pac-12 is playing a, a high quality opponent, and it's a winnable game. Like UCLA goes to Oklahoma. Like, that's not gonna UCLA is not gonna win that football game. But you can say that going in. Um, this is a winnable game for Oregon, and it's a and it's a meaningful game for the conference and their playoff hopes. So there's kind of like. Oregon has a lot riding on the line. the twelve has a lot riding on the line. What's kind of that vibe for, for Gus going into this game for, for auburn?
2: you know I, I think a lot of people i don't know if people say it's a must win, but it, it's it's certainly important. I, I think fans from Auburn have realized that over the years that they know that they can they can win they can lose a game or two and still make the you know whether it was the BCS National Championship or potentially a college football playoff or a New Year's Six Bowl so definitely I mean they want to win it but there's also the reality that seeps into this game of listen auburn's got a tremendous defensive line they got a tremendous defense they have all the returners starting on offense on the offensive line but they're starting a true freshman at quarterback i mean they haven't done that in the modern era they haven't done it since 1946 with a World War II veteran. Um, that, I mean, that's how long it's been. So, you know, it, it's, there's some of that reality that's set in. I mean, listen, Auburn fans are Auburn fans, and so are Oregon fans are Oregon fans. Auburn fans expect to win this game, but it's, it's going to be extremely difficult. I mean, everybody's comparing this game to Auburn's opener against Washington last season, which Auburn could have easily lost. Um, it was kind of a sloppy game, but it was back and forth a little bit. Washington seemed to have the edge in the second half, but Auburn managed to come out with it in the fourth quarter. And Washington lost that game, and look what they did they won the Pac 12. So, um, I think this isn't a game that just completely defines the season. I think Oregon can lose it, obviously, still win the Pac 12, and maybe being in the playoff conversation if things swing right. But I'll say this. I do think it's probably more important for Oregon yeah. when it comes playoff race time because the SEC and the strength of schedule and all that, it helps Auburn. Like if Auburn were not to lose a game after this, they'd be in the playoff easily. Um, Oregon, if they lose I a game after this. don't think say that about Oregon. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he could say that. So from that standpoint, that's what makes us a little bit different maybe from Oregon compared to to Auburn and the way Auburn fans approach this game, even though Auburn fans – because of Gus Malzahn, quote-unquote, being on the hot seat in his seventh year, um, that's, that's what makes this game more important to win than, say, their playoff hopes.
1: You mentioned the true freshman quarterback, Brandon. I'm, I'm curious. I know a, a lot of Oregon fans are wanting to know more things about Bo Nix, obviously a five-star recruit coming in as a true freshman, number one ready to dual-threat quarterback. What have you kind of heard and kind of what's the scuttlebutt about him? Obviously, his, his father— uh, you know, I think Oregon fans are familiar with him. He was a starting quarterback in the mid-90s at Auburn. Um, what, what more can you tell us a little bit about Bo?
2: Yeah, you know, Bo Nix is uh, is just a really great passer. Um, and as you said, he's a great dual-threat quarterback that um, he showcased it a little bit in high school. Um, but, you know, when people look at him, they go, that's not a dual-threat guy. But then you watch the spring game and then the things you hear about and, uh, you know, preseason camp where we haven't been able to watch, but behind the scenes and we're talking to sources, this guy can scoot, he can move. And, you know, it's interesting, a fan put together 40 times for past Auburn quarterbacks based off of timings at the NFL combine, the opening and Bo Nix is like the second fastest quarterback behind Nick Marshall, wow. Wow. Um, which surprised me. And he's faster than Nick Marshall in the shuttle. Um, which surprised me too. So this guy's a little bit faster than you think. And seeing him in the spring when he would take off running, I went that, wow, I I did not expect that. I watched him in high school and he could run, but he, that wasn't his forte. They wanted him to throw the ball. Um, and he would run and scramble from here, here and there. But I think Auburn's not going to be afraid to run him at times. They're going to run some zone reads, run some RPOs. Um, I'm very interested to see if they let him loose a little bit, or if they hold him back in this opener, especially early on, I don't think there's any way of predicting what they're going to do. Cause I think only Gus Malzahn really knows what they're going to do. Um, not even, not even the staff uh, I'm telling you, Gus is keeping things very close to the vest, guys. Um, <laughs> but this guy, he's very talented. And I would say this as far as depth with Joey Gatewood as the backup who I think is going to play in this game in some special packages just, be, just because he's six foot five and 233 pounds. He's a huge, huge quarterback. Um, I, I, I think that, uh, they're going to use both of them and I'm just, I don't know if I can predict exactly what they're going to run, how they're going to run it in this game, but I could tell you Bo Nix is legit. It's just a matter of, how does he show out in this first game and what does Auburn allow him to do? Do you
0: anticipate tempo? Is that still a, you know, a prominent thing for Gus's offense? I mean, I know, you know, they hired a new, you know, an OC a couple years ago. That's got air raid backgrounds and, you know, Auburn's always had, you know, a thousand yard rusher, I think from 2010 to what last year. And um, how, what's, Does tempo factor into Auburn's offense?
2: Yeah, so what happened was, you know, they hired Chip Lindsey a few years back, and it was just this, like, hodgepodge of his offense, which had some air raid things in there, but not really. It was strange. But they didn't really run hurry up, no huddle. Um, It was herky-jerky is what I called it, herky-jerky huddle, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) <laughs> um sometimes they go up tempo sometimes they wouldn't which can work but it there wasn't really, wasn't really a rhyme and reason to it well chip lindsey left for kansas to be the oc which i guess can tell you how great the relationship was with gus malzahn <laughs> and uh um and then became the troy head coach like two weeks later so it very much worked out for him uh chip lindsey but Gus Malzon immediately took over play calling, just said, Hey, I'm not hiring an OC to call plays. I'm going to call plays now. I'm going to do it for the first time in more than three years. And Gus Malzon has continued to preach over and over and over again and promise, Hey, we're going to run the hurry up, no huddle. We're not, we're not, we're going back to that. So I'm interested to see if he follows through with that with a true quarter, true freshman quarterback. Because listen, you're not a hurry up, no huddle offense if you go three and out. Um, you're just getting off the field quickly and putting your defense in a horrible situation. And what if Auburn goes three and out in their first three drives Does Gus try to slow things down after promising that they're no matter what, they're going to go hurry up. No huddle. I I don't know, but, um, Gus has promised over and over again that he's going back to his roots. They're going, hurry up, no huddle, and they're not going to compromise. We'll see.
0: Back to his roots, meaning like Arkansas state type stuff. Or even further back when he was a high school coach?
2: Um, I, I think back to 2013, 2014, okay. Auburn. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I don't think they'll go to, you know, Arkansas State was kind of a little bit like Auburn. Tulsa and Arkansas were a lot different, especially Tulsa. But I think they're going to go back to trying to do more things like they did in 2013 or 14. I would say particularly 14 because Nick Marshall was a runner. They, they, they leaned on him heavily but in 2014 they really tried to make him a passer and they threw the ball a little bit more I think that's kind of what they're going to do with bone eggs
1: you know Brandon I hear there's been a lot of talk about the battle in the trenches especially when Oregon has the football with that offensive line Oregon has and the defensive line that the Auburn has both considered maybe the best or close to the best nationally I'm curious if you know through camp now and and speaking with players and, and coaches kind of what's what's kind of been that narrative down there in terms of uh, of this kind of clash of the titans because it does seem like this is a game that that could be kind of determined uh, in the trenches and we should mention i think oregon's defensive line and auburn's offensive line are, are both also strengths for these teams it seems like that kind of could be uh, a huge part of how this game plays out i mean uh you know auburn defensive coordinator kevin Steele, when i talked to him a
2: couple weeks ago he he was just like listen that's what Mario Cristobal is known for at the offensive lines. We all know that. We've seen it at Alabama, FIU, everywhere he's been, and he's done it at Oregon where he just coaches the heck out of those offensive linemen, gets them ready, and makes them elite. And, you know, they've got, what, three guys up there that will probably be in the NFL someday, two that returned this past season that could have easily jumped into the NFL. It's definitely a, a monstrous challenge for Auburn, but the good news for Auburn is that they've got four or five starters returning along a defensive line that many consider to be one of the better groups in the entire nation, led by Derek Brown, who's probably going to be a top-five pick this upcoming NFL draft at defensive tackle. And then there's a player that not a lot of people talk about that I think could be a first-round pick is Nick Coe, who was their buck pass rusher, a hybrid linebacker defensive end. They're moving him between there and defensive tackle. He's put on a little weight to give them some extra push and pass rush um, because, they, they, you know, as good as they were last year, they struggled at times getting to the quarterback and finishing plays. And uh, Marlon Davidson, who's a really big-time player, he's trimmed down a little bit. They're trying to get faster. And I'll say this, in preseason camp, I mean, the, the, the first-team defense, I think they were scored on maybe a total of three times in all the scrimmages. Wow. And that's including field goals. Um, I don't know what that says about Auburn's offense, <laughs> but, um, kind of, that's kind of like that def- defense, that defensive line helps settle the quarterback race because based off the notes I got from behind the scenes, because everything was closed, um, in scrimmage situations, Joey Gatewood's offense did not score a single touchdown and the touchdowns all came from Bo Nix's offense. And, and that's, one of the big reasons why he's a starting quarterback going into this game because he was able to score touchdowns against Auburn's defense, which Gus Malzon and Kevin Steele both believe could be the best that they've had here um, in their tenure, which is saying something because they've been in the top 15 and been as high as number seven nationally in total
0: defense. A big question for Oregon, I think really the only kind of real concern Oregon had Going into fall camp was receiver. Um, you know, ten out of eleven starters back on offense, but the receiving production was. Yeah, I, you eliminate Dylan Mitchell from the the equation, and re- the receivers were very average. And that's putting it very nicely. Mitchell's now gone. They've added a couple of big recruits. A couple of them have now gotten hurt. Um, my question though is, is just what's the 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 feeling of this secondary at Auburn, like at at Washington, for example, like they, they could lose everybody and everyone's going to say, you know, Washington's always going to have good defensive backs just because of their tradition, their history, their recruiting, the same thing for Stanford. Um, is this a, is this a position group where Oregon's going to be going in inexperienced, lacking some proven playmakers against a, you know, a lockdown defense, or is this, is that a secondary that could be exploited a little bit, if, if that's even possible?
2: It's a veteran def- defensive secondary, guys. It's very good. Um, they've got two seniors starting at safety. Um, Noah Abagnagany, who played his first year at cornerback last year after moving from receiver, played very well and has gotten a lot better, and I just kept being told he was a lockdown guy. He wasn't allowing anything in one-on-one drills at all. Um, And coaches have just been raving about him. And the one weakness they had last season in the secondary was really at their nickel and star spots. They were a little slow there. And LSU picked up on it and started throwing the ball down the field. And That's why LSU won that game last season against Auburn. But So what they've done this year is they moved Javaris Davis, who's their fastest guy on defense, back to cornerback. To replace one starter they lost one starter in the secondary they've moved him over to cornerback and they're moving up christian tutt who was a freshman last year very dynamic player very fast he's been in the mix for the punt returner job in fact he might be the starter when they open up uh the the season here at punt returner in, in addition to working at nickel so christian tutt's at nickel now They feel like they've made some improvements there for for what was already a pretty good secondary, and it all starts with Noah Benogany and those two senior safeties, but they feel like they have found their answers at nickel and the other cornerback spot where they lost Jamel Dean, who's now uh, in the NFL. So I, I think this is a very veteran group that, as you said, Oregon's a little inexperienced. They're trying to figure some things out. I think Auburn's got the advantage there. And I, I was shocked. Obviously, it's not necessarily all the same players and they've changed things. And Oregon's going through injuries with three guys right now at receiver. But I was shocked when I saw that stat that Oregon dropped 52 passes, including, eight, including eight that should have been touchdowns last season. That That is very drastic to me. That changes like two games, I would think, I, without even looking at final scores. That would change two games, in my opinion, if Yeah, you there catch was, half of those.
0: There was a lot of... Uh, offseason angst towards Oregon's offensive coordinator Marcus Arroyo about you know boring play calling or the offense was stale and and I I, the way I responded to that was well they dropped 52 balls for over 800 yards and and eight touchdowns and you add that in you know you you add just half of that into the offense and it looks drastically different I mean it, it wasn't like you know the these all of these throws were Herbert throwing guys open. I mean, it just there were multiple plays where I, I remember last year Oregon had a guy just completely wide open, no one around them for ten yards, and he would have scored. And he just drops the ball. Um, that's I, mean, I, I think going into the, this game, that's my biggest fear for Oregon, um, or you know what I'm curious most about because they've brought in some recruits a graduate transfer and receiver, Juwan Johnson, who's run with the first team since he's been here. Um, you know, Jaylon red and Johnny Johnson are two veteran receivers that are juniors that have played in a lot of games. Um, reds, their most productive player. Johnny Johnson didn't have a good year last year, but as a, as a true freshman, he did. Um, but it's just, I, I don't think it's just literally just, you know, add water and these guys grow into superstars because, you know, Auburn's defense isn't, Going to be Alabama State or, 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 Nichols State or Montana that Oregon plays later on in the, this season, and that's I think that's going to be one of the biggest developments to see uh, is how quickly does Oregon's newcomers at the receiver position, uh, a adjust to college football and b having to do it against you know a, a program of the caliber of of, of Auburn.
2: I, I think in a game like this, even though Justin Herbert's very very good, obviously we all know that, and is experienced, he's going to have to be helped out by his receivers because I think Auburn's going to be able to get some pressure at times, not every time, but that's when the receivers have to you know, adjust to a low-thrown ball or something and make the catch. And the same is for Auburn because pressure or not, Bo Nix is not going to be on target every time, and the receivers have got to bail him out. And I think that's a big question for Auburn too because they return a lot of – quote-unquote, super sophomores, but some of them didn't quite, you know, have it all down last season, and you know, as much as everybody's focusing on Oregon with the 52 drops, which is a very specific number, I don't know how many drops Auburn had last year, it wasn't that many, but there were times last year you're like, why'd that guy break off that route? Why did he flatten out that route? What, what's he doing there? And it's things like that that could really hurt a true freshman quarterback, or any quarterback for that reason, so These receivers have got to step up on both sides to help out these quarterbacks, no matter how great they are.
0: We're going to take a quick break. We're speaking with Auburn Undercovers' uh, Brandon Marcillo uh, for our sponsors, and we'll be right back.
3: iXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. iXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way with positive feedback. Backed by research, kids using iXL are scoring higher on tests. Powered by advanced algorithms, iXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. Rather than looking at multiple programs to help your child in different subjects, one subscription gets you everything with iXL Learning. And all the kids in your home work off one
4: All
0: right, welcome back to the Odds and Audibles podcast. Matt Prem, Eric Sculpo. We're joined by Auburn Undercovers, Brandon Marcillo. Um We're talking and previewing kind of Oregon Auburn and um, offensively, Brandon. What what's uh, Bo Nix has kind of dominated? I think the summer from our perspective of just the attention and you know winning a quarterback battle. That's natural. You know, quarterback battles are are going to kind of you know always take the cake when you look at coverage and we don't have time to, you know, every day do do what you do for Auburn. Um, What were, you know, maybe two or three other big, you know, they could be positive or negative developments you feel like uh, this offense had during fall camp that were maybe unknown going in?
2: Well, one big issue for them going into this game is just the availability of Anthony Schwartz. And I might find out like literally when we get off this podcast whether he's going to be available or not. Um, he's their fastest player. This guy's going to be probably Olympian at some point in his career on the track field. Um, if he continues to train and doesn't get injured, um, but he's coming off hand surgery that he had August 5th and he is a dynamic weapon just in speed sweeps, jet sweeps, and also down the field. He really developed into a down the field threat and they're expecting to maybe move him outside to kind of replace some production that was lost, by the, the the departure of Darius Slayton. So if he's out, that's going to hurt him a little bit. Also, Eli Stove and Will Hastings return and they were pretty good receivers in 2017, but they both injured their knees in the spring of 2018. Um, they were pretty much just decoys in 18. They didn't really do much. And now they say they're healthy, but in preseason camp, they're dealing with a lot of soreness in their knees. They didn't want to risk anything. So, My question is, are they on the same page as Bo Nix? Because Bo Nix has not been able to throw to them uh, very often. So that's a big concern for me. And then beyond that, um, I think the offensive line's been impressive. They've really made improvements. And in the backfield, I still have questions about Boobie Whitlow, Cam Martin, and Sean Shivers and whether they can produce a 1,000-yard rusher. Uh, you know, I, I've had insiders there inside the athletics department, inside that football program. They've told me, hey, their goal, that what they expect is that Booby Whitlow, Jartavius Whitlow, uh, their top running back who moved from quarterback to receiver to running back since his Jeez. high school days. Uh, <laughs> he's very, very explosive, but they expect him to hit, hit 1300 yards this year, but. There's some durability questions there. He dealt with shoulder injury last year, and that was part of the reason why he didn't reach a 1,000 yards last season. And Auburn's streak ended after 10 years of 1,000-yard rushers. So, um, you know, we'll see. But there's still some questions there. And I do still kind of question the improvement of the Auburn offensive line. I keep hearing it. You know, everybody just assumes that you have five starters back. But – this is the same offensive line that was second to last in the SEC in yards per carry. And the offensive line just wasn't opening holes up that much. So I have questions about that too. And so, you know, you come out of preseason camp and when you talk to people, a lot of things are positive. And then the things that are negative are just the things that you usually hear that are, they're just so glaring, they can't be ignored. Right. And for Auburn, the glaring thing was the receivers when Eli Stove and Will Hastings and Anthony Schwartz weren't on the field, which was most of preseason camp because of injuries, and the receivers just did not step up behind them. And that, that's a big concern because, as we mentioned, Oregon's dealing with three injuries at receiver, and there's questions there. But if Auburn were without, th- were without three receivers in this game, which I don't think they will be, they'll be without at least you know, at most one you know, this offense will change drastically, and I think it would really struggle.
1: We talked a little about Justin Herbert earlier. You you mentioned his name. I'm I'm curious, you know, perception out West is is Herbert has all the physical intangibles, but he kind of hasn't broken through yet. You know, he hasn't won the big games. He hasn't led Oregon to a conference championship, et cetera, et cetera, despite starting now going into his fourth season. I'm curious, kind of down South, uh, what the perception is, both from players, but also just kind of uh, you know people in the area what, what what do they think of herbert and kind of what's what's kind of the, the feeling about facing a guy like that in the opener well they think he's the
2: you know listen they have a lot of great quarterbacks they got to face this year you know right. Tua. um you know jake Fromm, and obviously justin herbert they see him as a guy that uh you know is a first round talent that's going to be very dangerous um Um, some fans, you know, want to go, well, you know, we faced a good quarterback in Washington, Jake Brown. I'm like, yeah, that's not (laughs) the same guy, guys. Not even close. (laughs) Not close. Jake Browning was not a great passer. And yet he had a lot of success against Auburn down the field in that game, by the way. So, um, and his receivers helped him. So I, I think that, you know, I don't know. I think some fans are trying to downplay Herbert, and I think they're mostly doing that because they're afraid of him, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, because he's so good. Um, I think the, the thing, not to derail the topic, but the thing that's been getting a lot of attention from coaches and fans is just how much they respect the running backs at Oregon. Um, they think they could be really dangerous. It could change things, even going against Auburn's defensive line, which everybody at Auburn believes is their strength. You know, if 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 Oregon's able to run the ball against Auburn, the game's over, guys. In my opinion, I, I don't think this is going to be a situation where it's like, well, Justin Herbert threw for 300 yards and that's why they win. No, if if Oregon rushes for 250 yards, I think they win.
1: Yeah, I, um, I, 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 yeah, yeah. I agree. Uh,
2: it's this game. I think just simply boils down to. Oregon's offensive line against Auburn's defensive line, and whoever wins that battle is going to win the game.
0: What's been, I I think, last year for Oregon, um, you felt confident in them going into a game at home and winning, but when they went on the road, it was like Jacqueline Hyde. Like they were, I mean, they had two games at Washington State the week after they beat Washington in overtime and then the following week after that against Arizona, two teams that they should have beaten. And I've covered, I've covered Oregon for 10 years. And those were two of probably the three worst or four worst offensive performances I've seen from Oregon football. And they both came on the road. You throw in the fact that the offense was putrid again in the red box bowl against Michigan State and when they won seven to six. Um even their game against California in early September was aided by I think two defensive touchdowns uh yeah. when they won when that when they won that one.
2: Yeah, I watched that game. I remember that.
0: They were totally just a different team away from home. And I think that's probably my second wonder of of this two thousand nineteen season going in is what what are they going to be like away from home? And unfortunately for them, they have such a, a big game to start the season off in, in like an important game at that. Do you see? I mean, is, obviously teams are always going to play better at home, but does does Auburn have like issues like that or something else that pops up when they leave that are you know pre, you know being prepared or whatnot? Is there is there any that that stuff floating around with this Auburn team?
2: No, they've, they've actually done a pretty good job when they go to neutral sites and away games, unless they're just completely overmatched, obviously. But like, like last year against Washington, it was a pretty even matchup at that point in the season because Auburn was still trying to figure out things with a whole new offensive line. And yet right. they were able to still win that game. Um, and they handled it well. And it, and that crowd was probably like 60, 40 Auburn. I would suspect it's going to be about the same for this one. Um, uh by the way, has Auburn sold or excuse me, Oregon sold out their allotment of twelve thousand five hundred tickets?
0: I think yeah. they're close. No, I think okay. they have. I think Do they have? have. Oh, yeah. I missed that then.
2: Okay. So I know Auburn has. They just announced it like a week ago. So I would think it'd be probably like sixty forty just because you'll have Auburn fans in the Dallas area and going over there on game day. But um
0: I'm actually expecting it. That's cut you off, but to be even more pro Auburn, to be honest with you. Really? Yeah, like seventy thirty almost. I don't I don't think Oregon's gonna have a lot of fans that will travel outside of that twelve thousand five hundred.
2: Yeah, I mean it's a difficult trip. I mean, obviously if you got the money you can fly and everything, but man, it's that's such a long trip. I mean, for Auburn fans, you are living in the southeast, Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, right. um, Florida. It's a two-hour flight to Dallas, you know? Um, or you could drive if you really wanted to, which I would not recommend. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> you know, with Oregon, it's a little bit different. Like, how long is your flight, guys, to My, LA?
0: I think my flight – I'm not flying direct. I don't know if Eric is or not, but we're on different flights. But mine leaves Portland at 6 a.m. and doesn't get into Dallas until 2.05. Uh,
2: okay, so – really 405 or yeah so yeah I mean that's a date that's a day-long trip on yep. an airplane not including driving to the airport and driving out of the airport and get to your hotel so yeah um I could see that but um as far as Auburn's performance you know away from home I think they've done a pretty good job of being consistent under Gus Malzahn they haven't really laid any stinkers on the road other than I would say, man, there's there's a handful. Mississippi State last year, where they just ran all over Auburn's defensive line, which was just absolutely jaw dropping to me. And then back in 2017, when they went to LSU and blew a 21 to nothing lead, um, and they still haven't won there since 1999. So they've been pretty consistent, and I, I suspect that they'll be pretty. Uh, dialed in for this game but again there's like everybody I think will be dialed in because there's a lot of veterans on this group but then you have a true freshman at quarterback it's like <laughs> everybody everybody's a veteran except for the guy who's going to touch the ball on every play on offense so you just never know
1: I'm gonna Brandon I'm gonna ask you to play Nostrad- Nostradamus here what would be if you're looking at this game, what would you say would be the best case scenario for Auburn and it plays out you know in their favor and what would be worst case you know in terms of how this game plays out? you know best
2: case would be they they rush for about two hundred fifty yards or so uh, between their two or three running backs. Um, the defense locks down that that offense and uh, keeps the you know the running backs to below 150 yards combined, which would be absolute best case. And, and Justin Herbert gets his passing the ball, but more or less that's by design and they defend the twenties and, um, you know, they keep that offense under, you know, 400 yards, um, and keeps them, you know, in check inside the red zone, uh, offensively for Auburn for Bo Nix, I think he's just gonna control the game and pick and choose where he goes and it might be one of those games where guys he's like, you know, in best case scenario, he's ten of fifteen passing. You know what I mean? He's not I don't think he's gonna throw the ball a lot. I might be wrong, but I just don't think he's going to. So I think that'd be best case for Auburn. Um worst case would be the like exact opposite of obviously what I said. They, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, 250 yards rushing by Oregon. Justin Herbert throws for 300, and that, that's game over to me. But um, – and Bo Nix, like, you know, throws two or inter- th- three interceptions or something in his first start. So um, – but that's – you know, I may, I've already made a prediction about this game, and I think Auburn's more talented across the board – but the most important position they're not, and that's quarterback. And it's a first start for a true freshman. And I, I just – it's difficult for me to go, yeah, the true freshman quarterback's going to beat this number two possibly overall draft pick. Even though they're not going over head-to-head and all that, I understand that. But, I mean, I, I don't know. I, maybe I should look through recent history and be like, Hey, remember that time that true freshman beat, you know, that senior quarterback in a top right. 10 game or top 15 game? It, it, I would think that's difficult to find, but maybe I'm wrong.
0: Well, I, I certainly think you're on to something with Auburn is definitely the more talent. I think from an on-paper perspective, the more talented team. I mean, the, the last four recruiting classes are 11, 12, 9, and 9. And Oregon's lost fours seven, thirteen, nineteen, and twenty-seven. You know, recruiting is always not always perfect and, and Justin Herbert's a perfect example of that. I mean, he was a a three star middle level, you know, quarterback coming out of high school. But the reality is the the, the more five and four star guys you get, the more that you hit on, the more talented of a team you're gonna have. Um and your, it sounds like your 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 thought process is along the lines of what mine is, is that I think this game is going to be incredibly close. Um, I think with Oregon's receivers and the lack of experience and adding the injuries now and who's healthy, who's not, I think that is going to make Oregon's offense even more of a question mark going in. But I keep going back to the fact that I think Oregon probably has – the best player on the field between the two teams. Maybe. I mean, I I think, I think Brown might be Auburn's best overall player. Is that right?
2: Yeah, I would say so. He's probably, he could be a top five pick, but obviously, you know, uh, Justin Herbert's a guy that could be a top three, top two pick.
0: Right. So I, I think I just go back to Oregon maybe has the best player on, on the field, regardless of, of what side. And, you know, it's not, Always exact science that doesn't always mean you win, but when he's the quarterback and you know every snap he's going to have the ball in his hands, I think that's why I'm leaning a little bit towards Oregon. Um, you said you've made a prediction, I guess if what what what's what's your prediction right now? I don't like asking for predictions it's early out, but if you've already made one what what is it
2: Well, I have Oregon winning, and i I need to look up the score <laughs> but it, <laughs> see, it's I don't like asking
0: much- for scores, but I'm, I'm it, the same way. I have Oregon winning something something close, very
2: close. Um, you know, I did my predictions Saturday for the entire season, game by game. Um, yeah, I've got Oregon winning 28 to 21, um, and I, I just think it's because, uh, simply put, I, I this is what I wrote at the very last line. I have to give the edge here to Oregon's quarterback and offensive line, and as a result, I'm picking a season opening loss for for Auburn. And and I say that because I think. As good as Auburn's defensive line has been, I still have that question about can they finish plays when they get in the backfield? Um, they can stop running backs. I've seen them do it over and over again, but for some reason, they just they'll get to the quarterback and the quarterback still manages to fire off a pass, whether it was Tennessee last year, LSU, um, and until they show me something different, that's all I can go by. They say they're faster than they get to the quarterback, but listen, they're going against a first first round talent here in Justin Herbert. So I, I think Oregon wins. I think it's going to be a relatively close game and but um I, I think Oregon's going to come out on
0: top. I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of the score area. I'm I'm thinking this game's going to be played in the in the mid 20s even, maybe even the low 20s of you know 21 24 24 27 nature. Um I I just think it's going to be a three-point game and I I don't have a lot of confidence right now in in either offense really lighting up the scoreboard unless we see the week one, you know, bad tackling that sometimes pops up in in college football where, you know, that could, you know, busted plays happen because it's just just putrid defensive production of guys just not making plays because they don't hit as much as they used to.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with that, and I, I think we saw that in Week 0, obviously, with, with Florida and, and Miami. Um, you know, I, I think with, you know, Auburn Auburn tries to do some tackling, particularly on defense with the scout team guys, just to kind of refine things um, and make sure they kind of stay in tackling shape, if that's such a word, uh, <laughs> a, a description. But that's kind of what it's become. you got to, you know... You learn all the technique and all the plays and everything you need, but at at some point you just got to hit somebody to keep that in your blood and your system. Um, So I I think it's going to be interesting to watch how both teams come out um, and how they respond. Um, But I I think both both teams are going to – they know what they want to do going into this game. Auburn has an idea of the weaknesses, quote-unquote, of what Oregon has and what they want to attack. Oregon has an idea of what they want to attack. And um, we'll see. I, I, it's it's a very interesting game for a lot of reasons. But, you know, I, I kind of get this feeling like this is the type of game like, you know, you know how every season we talk about a team in the top 10 or top 15 area that just is not a top 15 team and ends fall falling out. I think like the loser of this game could very well be that team. I, I just, I get that weird feeling that one of these teams is not what some people believe they are right now. Um,
0: I could but, buy that. I, I would certainly yeah. buy that. Especially, I mean, from an Oregon perspective, I, I could see that of, you know, if, if Oregon comes out and you know they're just not good in this Auburn game and then you know they go down to Stanford and they lose that one, and two week, you know, two weeks later, three weeks later, you know, it could set up a deal where going into October they're they're two and two, and and they probably would be almost out of the top twenty-five or entirely out, depending on how those two losses looked, and and then then at that point it's just how close to respectability of your preseason rank can you get?
2: Yeah, same thing with Auburn. You know, they lose this game, you know. They open the season against Texas A&M on the road. You lose that game, uh, Gus Malzahn's seat's going to be on fire, and then you got to start wondering how players are feeling. So, and that's early in the season. So, um, it it, that that'll certainly be something to watch. You know, down the road, you never know. But, um, you know, you know what I like about this game, though, guys. That I don't think's been talked about because it hasn't been brought up. this whole idea of the SEC is better than the Pac-12 or faster than the Pac-12, <laughs> that hasn't come up, and I think it's a good thing. It's about time we move past that crap.
0: I think a lot of that. I mean, I, I would agree, um, but I also would say the Pac-12 is better. Or I mean, the SEC is better than than the Pac-12. I, I just look at the the top teams and and the SEC and. They're drastically better than the Pac-12's best teams. Now, I think where the Pac-12 gets a lot of their misrepresentation is the middle tiers. I, I, don't, I think people look at them and think, "Oh, the middle tiers—they're not very good." And in reality, they're you know they're probably just on par of, of what most of the other conferences' middle tiers are. Yeah, to to a, to a degree. And then their their issue their issue though is that their their bad teams are just bad like oregon state is huge oh yeah
2: yeah yeah what is up with arizona
0: (laughs) good question
2: uh how do you force six turnovers and lose and have khalil tate and that amazing running back
0: yeah i I watched most of that game live and then watched the rest of it on dvr because i could not stay up that late um didn't want to, I should say for that football game. Um, but yeah, it's, I think, the, I think last year was, was one of the biggest enigmas of the pac 12 was why was Khalil Tate and Arizona's offense just so bad. And, yep. you know, looking at that game and watching that game, there was a lot of frustrating things of play calling and, know, usage of 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 Khalil Tate in the right way. And I, I go back to his sophomore year and and he's torching USC when USC was a good team. And it's like why can't they find that again? What why are they yeah. going away from that? I mean that well
2: that that and like they found it on his very last run and he came <laughs> comes up short at the one yard <laughs> line. They, like let him loose and then nothing happens um as a result. It's just kind of I don't know. I've never really been sold on Kevin. Someone as a head coach for a lot of reasons on the field and off the field. But, um, what he's doing at Arizona right now with, I believe other than the receivers, they obviously don't have a lot of, um, you know, veteran experience at receiver, but that running back and the quarterback you have, you should be able to do some things. You should not be losing to fricking Hawaii after allow after forcing six turnovers right i mean it's it's ridiculous and so having said that i think arizona's probably gonna win the pack 12 south
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well brandon uh we really appreciate you uh for coming on doing a podcast previewing this game eric and i will both be there so we'll make sure to to find you in the press box before the game starts and uh we wish you good luck this season covering this team. Uh hopefully you find some time to relax and catch a breath some point. Uh but thanks for coming on the Odds and Audibles Podcast. We really appreciate it.
2: Thanks for having me, gentlemen. Cool. Great. Sorry, I went awesome. a little bit over, but that's good. It's fine. Um so Eric, are you are you good with uh Two thirty what was it? what time what did we say
1: yeah two, 2 thirty pacific is good on my end i i have to be somewhere at 330 so if I- all
0: right that was some really good stuff with brandon um really good insight i highly encourage you guys to go to auburn undercover if you are a vip subscriber to duck you get to read all his work for you know as part of your membership to our site so go go cruise over to auburn undercover check out uh his work his, uh, the entire staff of Auburn undercover and as they're preparing um for this Oregon versus Auburn football game you could also follow him on Twitter he's a good follow uh you can follow him at bmarcello uh that will get you all your Oregon versus Auburn coverage from an Auburn perspective uh going into this game overall just really good stuff Eric
1: yeah I I learned a lot frankly <laughs> put it that way I mean I've I've read a lot of his stuff, but getting him on the podcast is a different animal. And and I uh, thought it was interesting that, that he picked uh, Oregon to, to win this game. You know, uh, I think it's it, that speaks a lot to kind of the, the national perception and, and what they're thinking of the Ducks down south. And I'll be very curious to see on Saturday, you know, if, if all three of us are right, because that was a podcast where it was kind of a unanimous Oregon pick. So I, I was a little surprised by that maybe, but I, I'll be very curious to see on Saturday uh, kind of how that all plays out.
0: Yeah, I was um... – a little surprised that the he said that there's a lot of uh, a praise, I guess is the right word, towards Oregon's running backs. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think CJ Verdell and Travis Dye and the rest of the group are bad, but uh, that kind of surprised me a little bit. I, I don't think, I don't view them as like, you know, a top two position group in the Pac 12 or a top three position group in the Pac 12. And he didn't say that, but, no. um, but at the same time, that, that was just an interesting thing. And, um, uh, he kind of confirmed my biggest fear for this Oregon from an Oregon side is, you know, Auburn's got legit defensive backs and how does Oregon's receivers handle that?
1: Yeah, that's, that's, that's going to be the big question. And I, I, you know, I think it comes down to a couple things and we'll talk about this throughout the week, I'm sure, but it's, it's the trenches and it's, can Oregon's wide receivers make enough plays for, for Justin Herbert and the offense to, to score enough points to win. I think it really comes down to those two factors. And again, this is a game that has a ton of anticipation nationally. And and I know for myself personally, I just can't wait to get out there and see what happens.
0: That's going to do it for this episode of the odds and audibles podcast on a Tuesday, but fear not if you love our lovely voices and love our (laughs) insights, we will have another podcast on Wednesday. Yes. Third straight day with uh, the duck territory odds and audibles podcast. Um, We will be doing a mailbag on Wednesday Answering your questions. So, didn't get your questions in this time? Make sure to shoot us myself, Matt Preem, Uh That's how you can find me on Twitter. Eric Scopel is how Eric will find him, or uh, how you can find Eric there. Um, and shoot us your messages. We'll include d- those into uh, next week's mailbag as well. Uh, but so, keep an eye out for that mailbag, which will come out Wednesday morning, getting you ready for this auburn slash 2019 football season so for eric scopel myself matt preem we want to give a lot of thanks to brandon and marcello for coming on the podcast and until we talk to you tomorrow thanks for listening duck fans
1: adios amigos